growing up around some of these, some of my idols in the sport, BZ, McLean, Laura, et cetera, like getting to compete on teams with them. That's what I dreamed about. Like that's who would have thought that that would have happened so soon. Um, And so, you know, when you get there, it's like you have to embrace it and, you know, take that moment and, and, uh, you know, make, make your results happen and not sort of like wilt from that place of like being in awe that you're competing with those people, you know? So it's a mix of recognizing the respect and success and like dedication that those people have put into the sport to become like mainstays on the team. But at the same time, you know, recognizing that as a young rider, like that's, that's your chance to, you know, prove that, that you belong there too and that you can, can make it happen as well. So there's sort of that balance. And I think at the end of the day, when you're selected for those teams and you're, you know, getting ready to go in the ring and once you get in the ring, there, there's no time to think about, you know, who you're sitting next to or who you're competing against and you just have to get it done. Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with respected riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Julia Murphy, and this week's episode is with U.S. show jumper and Olympic team hopeful, Lucy Delorier. About a month ago, U.S. equestrian announced the show jumping shortlist for the 2020, now 2021, Summer Olympics in Tokyo, and 21-year-old Lucy Delorier was one of the 10 on the list. I was lucky enough to speak with Lucy shortly after she found out she was a top candidate for Tokyo, and she had so much to share with me. From her early riding days at a summer camp on Long Island, to how she feels about being selected to the Olympic shortlist, Lucy was so real and candid to talk with. As a daughter of Canadian Olympian Mario Delorier and international Grand Prix rider Lisa Delorier, Lucy is no stranger to the top of the sport. She's trained with some of the best, including McLean Ward and her own father, of course, and has been molded into one of the world's most successful young riders. But Lucy's always been a talent, racking up success as a junior and now killing it as a professional show jumper at the young age of 21. To name a few of her accomplishments, Lucy has won FEI North American Youth Championships medals, a USEF Junior Jumper National Championship, a USEF U25 National Championship, plus numerous CSI 4-star and CSI 5-star ribbons, sometimes even riding against her father. She was also a member of the U.S. jumping team that brought home the bronze medal from the 2019 Pan American Games in Lima, Peru. I actually had the pleasure of riding with Lucy about a decade ago when her father briefly trained at the farm I rode at on Long Island. Even then, when she was probably around 10 years old and I was maybe 14, I remember taking lessons with her and thinking, wow, I wish I could ride like her. She's been that talented since that age. I count myself lucky to have had the opportunity to train with Mario and ride alongside Lucy, and it's been awe-inspiring to watch her grow into such a prominent and successful rider. Being able to talk to her for this podcast has been a real treat for me. And now, for the podcast, though many of us know Lucy well from her personal success and her family's legacy in the sport, we're going to start with the basics at the beginning of her journey as a rider and go all the way up to now when she found out that she'd been selected for the shortlist. But before getting into the conversation, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this week's podcast, VitaFlex Pro, and share their message. In competition, the lines between good, better, and best are forever shifting. Winning can come down to inches or mere fractions of a second. To gain the winning edge, 
You do your part in feeding, training, and fine-tuning your horse. When it comes to nutritional supplements and health products, you trust Vitaflex Pro. Not only do they source the finest ingredients, they test and retest their products in a lab, and more importantly, under real-life working conditions. That's also the reason respected vets, trainers, owners, and top riders recommend their vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, electrolytes, joint supplements, and more. When you reach for Vitaflex, you can feel confident that you can achieve the ultimate performance, every ride, every time. Visit vitaflex.com today to browse their selection of high-performance products. That's V-I-T-A-F-L-E-X.com. Vitaflex Pro, the fine line between good and great. Now let's jump into the podcast with Lucy. How did you get interested in horses and riding? Yeah, so I've pretty much grown up around the sport, I would say. Um, Both my parents, my dad still competes um, against me at the highest level, but my mom growing up did um, compete in Grand Prix as well. Um, You know, I would travel with them to shows and I really started by going to pony camp down the road from us on Long Island when I was, I don't know, six years old, maybe. Um, So it was really presented as just this fun thing that I could do. And, you know, I played a bunch of other sports. I have a twin brother. We did all of that together. And then probably when I was nine or 10, um, I decided to, you know, keep pursuing it more seriously. Um, And it sort of just took off from there. What is it about horses in the sport that has kept you involved for so long? I think first and foremost, something that I feel and I think a lot of other riders do is just the connection you have with your horses. I think for me in particular, um, you know, the horse I compete at the highest level, Hester, I've had for almost nine, eight or nine years now, I want to say. And so, you know, our bond is really like the most special thing to me Um, and everything we get to do together in the ring just feels like an added bonus to that. So that's really what I always keep coming back to um, and, you know, trying to replicate that with other horses and build those connections um, that, you know, you see the uh, benefits of in the ring years down the line. And who are some of your mentors that have influenced your riding over the years? I imagine your dad is probably a big one and your mom as well. Uh, so you could touch on both of them and then anyone else who has influenced your career. Yeah, I would say right off the bat, both my parents, um, my dad, especially, I feel like he's really taught me the vast majority of what I know in the sport and what I continue to learn day to day. Um after him, I would say McLean also has played a really big part in my career. Um, I feel really fortunate to have had access to professionals like him um, as a close family friend, um, you know, from the time I started riding. Um, and so, you know, getting to learn day in and out from people like him um, is something I try not to take for granted. I think he's really helped me engage with the mental side of the sport and work on, you know, improving um, the mental skills that I can bring, especially when I'm called on for, you know, higher pressure moments and situations that I'm trying to prepare for um, and, you know, trying to get to a place where um, by the time I get to the ring, I can sort of, you know, handle whatever's thrown at me. And in, you know, all your years of riding, you were very successful in the equitation too. Um, And obviously now show jumping is your thing, but 
as far as all the disciplines that you've ridden in, what makes, is show jumping your favorite? And if it is, what makes it your favorite? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really done other disciplines. I mean, I did equitation most of my junior career. And so I definitely attribute a lot of the basics and the foundation of my riding to my time doing equitation. But um, other than that, I haven't really explored too many other disciplines, I would say. But yeah, um, from that limited experience, show jumping is definitely my favorite. What draws you into it? Like, what is the most exciting part of it that makes you just keep wanting to do that? I think um, in horse sports and show jumping in particular, we're incredibly lucky that, um, you know, our profession gets to take us around the world to some incredible places. So I think that's, you know, something not to take for granted. Um, But mainly, I think the thing that I love most about the sport and being able to, um, you know, work with horses day to day is the process of, you know, trying to get better and working on the little, the little things with each horse and, um, you know, really honing in on all the, um, you know, basic skills that you can improve on and then have them sort of like compound over time. And then, you know, you see the results in the ring, but it's not, it's not because of, you know, one, um, you know, one moment or one action that you did to get, to get that result. But, you know, all the little things that add up and all the time you spend in the saddle with your horses and, um, you know, all the smaller, um, training moments that compound over time I think that's a really powerful thing right yeah definitely it's so nice that like you could be working on those little things in training and when it all comes together it's like the best moment in the world (laughs) yeah exactly and I think that like you know on a day-to-day when you're carrying around in circles for so many hours a day it can it can be hard to remind yourself that that's really you know those are the crucial moments it's you know it's not when you're walking the course for a big class, but it's all the time you've spent before it that's gonna, you know, determine how that class goes. And so that's a fun sort of, um, you know, mental challenge when you're working, you know, so hard day in and out on something that might for some feel monotonous, but, but that's all part of the game. I get that. It's like, it can become tedious, but you just have to remind yourself, like, these are the little things that matter and they make up the result in the end, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think like with horses, every day is slightly different. You don't know how a horse is going to feel on that day or, you know, what you're going to be in the mood for, what they're going to, what their temperament's going to be like or everything. So in that sense, you know, it, every day is different, but I guess just keeping in in mind that, you know, the process is that's what that's what it's about and then you know results come later it's a cherry on top but you have to really embrace embrace that day-to-day with horses and just to touch on your horses again you spoke about Hester a little bit um who are some of the most influential horses in your life yeah he's definitely the number one um now and and especially because I've had him for so long I've really just grown so much with him and I feel like he's really taught me um you know, a lot of patience and, um, but also like to believe in myself because, you know, when I was 12 years old, jumping 120 on him as an eight year old, (laughs) I had zero imagination that the two of us would be competing on Asian's Cups together. 
um, you know, at championships and trying to go to the Olympics. So that sense of belief is something that he's definitely instilled in me. Um, and then I've also, I also had a horse, have a horse still. His name is Hamlet. Um, I got him as a young horse also around the same time as when we got Hester. <clears throat> and he isn't competing as much anymore. But um, I definitely learned from a super young age about trying to bring up younger ones and the sort of like resilience you need to do that. And again, the belief in horses and belief in a partnership. Um, so then is it at the end of the day, they don't know, you know, horses don't know how much they cost or what you in your mind are expecting of them or the plans you have for them in the future. It's really about, you know, creating that bond, working with them day in and out and and you know learning together and then you know you see over time what that yields um and so I think I've really learned a lot of that from from the two of them they've they've definitely been the two main horses in my career thus far um especially as a junior um and then Hester now more so um and then I have a few other horses that I'm working with right now um a younger one he just turned eight Antonori that I feel really um, lucky to be riding. Um, he's owned by Roslyn Schaefer. He's another one where I would say learning about working with young horses is super rewarding. And so the little, you know, the few months I've had with him have been really, um, I think, helpful for me. Can you talk about some of the most um, important or favorable wins in your life? I think right off the bat, um, getting able to compete in Lima, Peru on the um, Pan Am team in 2019 was a real highlight for me in my career. Um, Like I said, you know, when I started riding Hester, I never imagined that we'd be able to go to championships together. So having that come together and then trying to use that as a stepping stone on our way to, you know, uh, reach the Olympic team is something that I really um look back fondly on and um you know as a kid only you know dreamed I would get to do and uh as I watched you know my parents to compete at that level um similarly uh getting to compete in the nation's cup final in Barcelona in 2018 uh, I jumped two clear rounds at a time tall in the second one but that's okay <laughs> um, was was a really big moment for me I was the youngest one on the team and um it felt like it was one of those first moments where I really like you know proved to myself that you know when the time came I, I am able to you know get it done and not let the pressure like prestige of a given event get to me um again like that time fault I think about all the time. It was so long ago, but it makes me hungry to, you know, get back to those moments and be better and, you know, perform for my team. So I think those are two of the biggest ones. And then uh, this past fall, I won a four-star Grand Prix down here in Florida. And that was definitely one of my biggest wins. So yeah, those stand out. And then, you know, of course, other Nations Cups are always, um, like the pinnacle of the sport and um, something that you you try to achieve time and time again. So every one of those moments, um, <clears throat> so, you know, I was on the team in Dublin, the Spruce Meadows Masters, 
Um, yeah, definitely not taking those moments for granted as well. And then just to touch on the teams a little bit more, and you mentioned like that age gap there because you are pretty significantly younger than your other teammates. So what, how does that make you feel? Like, I'm, I'm sure you get this question all the time, but like, <laughs> um, I mean, you've had so much success and you're so young and you're, um, you know, probably decades younger than some of the people who you ride on these teams with, and especially like looking at the Olympics. So um, can you just touch on how that makes you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, you know, growing up around some of these, some of my idols in the sport, BZ, McLean, Laura, et cetera, like getting to compete on teams with them. That's what I dreamed about. Like that's who would have thought that that would have happened so soon. Um, and so, you know, when you get there, it's like you have to embrace it and, you know, take that moment and, and uh, you know, make make your results happen and not sort of like wilt from that place of like being in awe that you're competing with those people, you know? So it's a mix of recognizing um, the respect and success and um, like dedication that those people have put into the sport to become like mainstays on the team. But at the same time, you know, recognizing that as a young rider, like that's, that's your chance to, um, you know, prove that that you belong there too, and that you can can make it happen as well. So there's sort of that balance, and I think at the end of the day, when you're selected for those teams, and you're you know getting ready to go in the ring, and once you get in the ring, there there's no time to think about um, you know who you're sitting next to or who you're competing against, and you just have to get it done. Do you see yourself as one of those mainstays? Because I think a lot of people do. <laughs> I'm <laughs> no, I still feel uh, you know incredibly lucky every time I get selected. I've been selected thus far, and it's just about um, trying to establish a level of consistency and uh, keeping keeping my name in there if I can. But no, no, I when I say that, I'm talking about. Like I said, like McLean, Laura, Easy, Kent, the, the, all of those guys who really, um, who really lead American show jumping. <laughs> yeah, but that could be you one day, especially. I mean, or it's it's probably likely to be you one day. So just like that thought of people will probably be saying that about you one day, which is really freaking cool. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day we'll hope. <laughs> yeah, the shortlist just came out, and obviously you're one of the ten if you could like build your own Olympic team, who would be on it? Like if you and three other people and you could do the alternate too, like who would it be? <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously all 10, um, you know, the other nine riders and horse rider combinations have been incredibly successful over the past bunch of months and earned their places there. So I think that <clears throat> it'll really, you know, come down to who's peaking in the next month or two of competition. And then, you know, you leave it up to the selectors to pick their team for who they think will do the best job in Tokyo. But again, there's, there's no, uh, you know, obviously wrong picks or anything because everyone, everyone's at an incredibly high level right now. And, you know, they deserve to be there too. You kind of talked about it a little bit before. Um, do you ever get nervous and how do you handle your nerves? Yeah, I think it's normal to be nervous if you don't sort of feel 
the like importance of, of big moments. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think for me, that's part of like, you know, recognizing where you are um, in the sport or, you know, at a show or being able to acknowledge that, you know, it's a big moment or that you need to perform. But um, at the same time, when it comes down to it, being able to sort of put that in the back of your mind and just channel that into into your job. So I think when, you know, if and, and when I do feel nerves or maybe a little bit anxious before a big class, I, I spend a lot of time repeating my plan and going through, going through each step of, you know, what I'm going to aim to do on course and make it so that I get to a point where by the time I'm actually riding, I feel like I've already been through it. I know I'm just, you know, repeating the process, repeating the steps and it's, and it's almost like, I don't need to, you know, think about anything else on course, um, getting to a place of like ultimate focus. Um, because, you know, when you're going, when you're on your, by the time you're on your way to the first jump, there's no room to be thinking about your nerves, you know? So really just repeating, repeating what I have to do and getting to a point where it's already in the back of my head. Um, and then I get to you know, this place of comfort where I go in the ring and it's, and I know what I have to do. It's kind of like a routine for you then to like visualize yeah. like that. Is that like, if you have a routine before big competitions, is that it? Or is there maybe something else? I mean, I don't have like a super strict um, routine or like superstitions or things like that that I do before big rounds, but just trying to, um, you know, do little things to get myself to this place of like calm focus, um, whether that be just going over my plan or, you know, like drinking a lot of water or going on like a walk or, maybe listening to music it sort of depends on depends on the day but having this sort of like repertoire of things that I can pull from um you know depending on what I feel I need in the moment to get to like that right mental space before I get on as far as you know you were talking about you training the young ones and how you really enjoy that and really just training any of your horses do you have a philosophy that you like to stick to like do you have a training philosophy um, I mean, I think you have to be like very adaptable with horses. Everyone is different. Everyone is every horse is on a different timeline. And so I think, you know, being understanding of that is really important. Um, you know, and at the same time, knowing that like, it's just it just takes a lot of time and work and you're not going to see results overnight. And it's really just about, you know, the repeated, um, the repeated actions that will add up and, you know, help horses advance and help partnerships with horses advance. Do you happen to have like a favorite exercise that you like to work on with your horses? I feel like we do a lot of like shortening and lengthening and um, like proper flat work. I really like folds on the ground as well and like little cavalettis working on my eye, the horse's eye, keeping them balanced, things like that. We honestly don't do too much jumping at home, I would say, especially like courses. We rarely, we rarely will just, you know, jump a lot of courses, but it's really the little, um, you know, sometimes gymnastics and things to keep horses and riders' minds fresh. I feel like change it up. I really like going on trails every, you know, 
week or so or depending on their showing schedule sometimes more but um you know leaving the property getting them to mentally relax as well I think is really really good for them what do you think is the hardest part of the sport I mean it is it's horses and you can never predict anything but yeah. <laughs> if you had to pick exactly. one thing it, I mean it's it's hard everything's hard but if yeah. you had to pick one thing what do you think the hardest part of the sport would be I think longevity I think the people who have been able to have repeated success and sustain success for a really long period of time in this sport are really um, those to look up to. I think for me, you know, being that I've really had one horse at the top of the sport thus far, like I've, I have so much to learn and so much more to, um, yeah, just so much to learn about replicating that on other horses and what it takes to sort of create this um multi-waved sort of success I would say um yeah and that and that even within you know the span of a week or a month or a year like you're never gonna just be going up you're never gonna be going up just upwards it's inevitably gonna go in waves ups and you know, highs and lows and being able to just sort of like take that as it is and keep moving forward and keep working and coming to a level of understanding that like, you know, if you have a bad day, so does everyone. And and it's about how you respond to that and learn from it and use that to fuel future, you know, your future work and success. And then again, it's, such a hard sport with horses and everything is so unpredictable when things don't go as planned um how do you react to that like say you don't like win a class or like don't do as well in a class as you would like how do you deal with that it's an ever evolving process I think learning to deal with that is something I really have to continue to work on um I think especially when you have been you know have been successful with a horse or have had you know a good round the week before it can sort of sometimes feel like well how did that just happen or you know why didn't I why didn't I do better this time or something like that but I think trying to focus on like how you can how you can learn from your mistakes or um you know what you can do to fix fix whatever went wrong in a given round is really the only way sort of forward, like um, hanging on to the negativity or dwelling um, helps no one. So, you know, sometimes I get caught doing that and I'll think, you know, be thinking about a round for hours, days, (laughs) weeks after it happens. But at the end of the day, that's not, you know, the way to move forward um, and create progress. So reminding myself that, even as I'm sulking or something after a bad round, reminding myself that that, that mindset isn't isn't helping me get better. Um, at least helps to begin pull myself pulling myself out of that funk, I would say. But it's a continual learning process. I feel so silly asking this because you are so young, but I 
always ask if you had to, any advice to give to your younger self, what would it be? <laughs> so, I mean, we're talking about really young, but if you yeah. could think of anything. Just keep working, keep working at it and finding um, what works for you and and learning from everyone. There's There's always more to be learned. And I don't think, I mean, I'm nowhere near this point, but I don't think I'll ever get to a point where I can't continue to learn you know and get better and um keeping that mindset I think is super important and then we have to know when you found out that you're being named to the shortlist that you were named to the shortlist how did you react like how cool was that (laughs) (laughs) um yeah I mean obviously really cool um I think it was there was a mix of excitement and um recognition that you know, I still have a big job left to do in between, you know, being named to a short list and then making, you know, hopefully making the team. So um, letting myself sort of enjoy that I've made it past step one, but also, um, you know, motivating and staying focused on, on the shorter term goals. Was your dad with you when you found out or like, how did he react? Yeah, I think he, yeah, he was, also obviously excited it's a huge team effort and like you know like I said I've learned basically everything I know in the sport from him so um it wasn't you know it's not an individual success but you know a family success a team success um to have made the 10 and I think you know we, we both we both know that so it was exciting for everyone and he went to the his first Olympics around the same age as you, by any means, very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that special for both of you to kind of look at each other and be like, we both did it? Like, this is really awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he was, he was 18 or 19 in his first Olympics. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not on the team yet. Ho- I mean, hopefully I will be. So it's not like I've, I've totally made it. But um, the, the prospect of it, obviously, is exciting. And um, we just have to... You know, keep working and not not uh, get, I guess, comfortable with the idea yet. <laughs> you know, if you are picked to go to Tokyo, I feel like imposter syndrome is such a big deal for like a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. Um, sure. Like, is that something that you think you would experience or like, how would you deal with that? Yeah. That kind of thing? I don't know. I'm honestly not even bringing myself to that place yet because... Like, you know, like I said, there's, there's a lot left, there's a lot of work left to do before I get there. But, um, I think, I mean, the Olympics are the ultimate, right? Like the the Olympics are it. So, um, there would definitely be a level of like, you know, trying to take it all in and, and appreciate what it is, uh, while also, you know, like I said, reminding myself that like, you're, you know, you're there with a job to do. So it's in that balance that I hope I have to, I hope I have to deal with it. (laughs) You've probably imagined your whole life and now even getting named to the shortlist, shortlist, imagine even more like what it looks like to be at the Olympics. Like what do you picture Mm -hmm. in your head when you think about if you're named to the team going to the Olympics, what does that look like? Um, I don't know. (laughs) I think, well, I, I do think that this, this Olympics will be different from, basically all other ones due to COVID um, and what the past year has looked like for everyone. So I can't really 
you know, speak to that. I think there'll be a lot of, you know, strict protocols in place, but at the same time, um, I can imagine there's nothing like it from, you know, what I've seen on TV and read and heard. And it's like this, it's this crazy sort of gathering of, you know, the best athletes in every sport from around the world. It's, it's hard to imagine like the level of like, not only talent, but work and effort and dedication that has gone into getting every single one of those people there. So, you know, in the crazy event that I'm able to also be there, um, yeah, I can't imagine how cool it would be. Well, I'm rooting for you and I'm, you. I'm so excited for you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and I know our listeners are going to love hearing from you. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, think I can speak for almost everyone we're all really excited that when to hear that you were named to the list and also we're just excited at the potential of you going and representing the country so well thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it I hope your listeners enjoy (laughs) I'm sure they will I'm sure they will yeah and best of luck we'll all be watching you so much (laughs) thank you you got it Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Lucy Delorier and a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Vitaflex Pro. Learn more at vitaflex.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I'm Julia Murphy, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman podcast.